Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. This program is produced weekly by the Christ Life Fellowship. Check us out, christ-life.org. Wonderful to be here with you again this week and every week, presenting these wonderful, valuable lessons from Warren Litzman. This week, we're starting a new lesson. It's called What's in the Seed, Part 1. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Let's get right into it. Here's Warren. Today, I'm going to talk to you on a very simple subject. And the subject is, what's in the seed? Until you understand what's in the seed, you may never come to know who you are. I've long said that the most important verse of Scripture I know in the Bible, if I could by any stretch of the imagination make one verse of Scripture most important, the one scripture I would make most important in the Bible is John 12:24. It really should be the scripture that glows the brightest of any scripture in the Bible because that's the scripture that tells us more about God, our Father, than any other verse of scripture. It's a very simple verse. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Well, now, how many times did you read that? And did you ever have a thought from reading it that that's the deepest insight there is to God from this speaker of any verse of Scripture in the Bible? I have long patterned my understanding of God after that one verse of Scripture. In fact, in the logo we use in the Christ Life, I think you can see it even on that uh, song sheet, you'll see two sheaves of wheat at the bottom. Somebody says, well, what in the world are those two sheaves of wheat doing on your circle there? That's the corn of wheat. Without that knowledge, you cannot know what it means to be in Christ. For instance, I hold in my hand right now a seed. That's an oat seed. See, it's very small. On a sheaf of oats, there are hundreds of these seeds on that one stem. And on the one stalk, there may be five or six sheaves with hundreds of seeds. on the same sheath, so that on one stalk of an oak stem, there will be thousands or could be thousands of these seeds. To get that one stalk and thousands of seeds, all you have to do is take this one seed and plant it. Then what's in this seed? There is in this seed thousands of reproduced seeds, a stalk and several sheaves, all in that one seed. Or you could take 
a corn seed. Just one little corn seed. What's in this seed? Inside of this one corn seed is a stalk that uh, in Texas could grow up to ten foot tall and could have as many as six or eight ears of corn on it. That's in this one seed. Each ear of corn could have a minimum Texas corn of 200 corn seed in one, on one cob. When you look at a plant of corn and see it tall and see all of the ears of corn that's on it, it hardly ever comes to you that all of that was in one seed. Just one little seed. On our property, we have a number of oak trees, and right now all of the acorns are falling off the oak trees as we go into fall. One little acorn. The biggest and the greatest of all trees has to be the mighty oak. Of course, that's down in my country. That's not in redwood country. But the greatest of trees in my part of the country are oaks. Big oaks. Sometimes they can have limbs or branches that spring out a couple hundred feet. And that oak tree can rise to a height of 100, 150 foot in the air. Thousands of branches. Thousands of leaves. And an oak tree so big you can't reach your arms around it. And all of that is in this one seed. In the seed. Now one day, when the Holy Spirit arrested you, and you saw your need of a Savior, and you knew you could not save yourself, and you were invited to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, or someone led you to the Lord, or you just fell on your knees where you were and asked Jesus to come into your life, the instant you did that, a remarkable thing took place. Here you were, a tripartite being made of a body and a soul, which was the human self. But you had Satan as your nature. And at that moment, when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan was put out. Miraculous work of God. And at that instant, God cohabitated with you in an act of love and put his seed 
in you. That seed is known by the name of Christ. God, John 3.16, God so loved, cohabitated with the sinner that he placed within him in that ultimate act of love, Christ. God so loved the world that he gave, placed, put his only begotten Son in the sinner. That thing God put in the sinner, the Scripture calls a seed. The God seed. The God seed is Christ. So the moment you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, God put his Son, the seed, in you. Now, what we spend a lifetime in religion doing by our ups and downs, our frustrations and bewilderments, what we spend a lifetime in religion doing is trying to find out what's in the seed. We don't know that, so the preacher doesn't come out and tell us. What he does, and what so often I have done is to try to tell you as a self what you ought to do. Be good. Quit being evil. Stop what it is you're doing, and you can be one of us. Come join us. Get our baptism. Get our membership. Get our catechism. Do our thing, and you'll be at least as happy as we are, or as unhappy as we are. Because... Religion works on the self. And so what we do all our life as human self is go over here to one building after another, through one door after another, looking for what it is that will really tell us what life is all about. What you never find out about, really, by outer forces, such as preachers, religion, doctrines, churches, what you really never find out about is what God did in you the moment you believed. So sometime in life, you have to come across the information of what really happened to you when God, in love, placed his seed in you. What God has done in all of creation, whether it be the oak seed, the corn seed, or the acorn, what he has done in all of creation is place the totality that is needed for that seed to be what he wants it to be, all in the seed. The whole mighty oak tree is in this acorn. The whole stalk of corn is in this corn seed. And the whole of what God's intention is for this human self is in that seed. If that human self looks outside of itself for help, for knowledge, for understanding of who they are, they'll never find it. Oh, they can get a plastered job. 
They can get candy-coated. They can get a Band-Aid put on the hurt and pain of life, but they can't resolve it until there's some revelation of what's in this seed. The facts are, every one of you sitting in this room have the totality of everything God intended you as a self to be in the seed that's already in you. Now, your big problem in life is wrestling with all of these voices over here telling you what you ought to do, how you ought to do it. Sometimes it's the voices of memory, what mom and daddy did or didn't do to me when I was a kid, what Aunt Susie did to me one day, what some preacher did to me, what the church did to me. All of these voices are crying out, and they have your attention. And if you like those voices, you have fellowship with them. If you don't like those voices, you finally create a crutch to try to get past the sound of those voices that are trying to tell you what to do and how to do it. Lots of you have turned to the crutches. Drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it is. Others have found a camaraderie with the voices. That's why good people do strange things. I can't believe why anybody would want to go to a church that didn't give them the life that's in Christ, but they found camaraderie with those voices. That's an outer voice. I can't imagine why anybody wants to join the New Age movement and get near to Christ when they could have Christ in total by simply believing on Him. I don't understand why anybody wants to join yoga or meditation when all they have to do is be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you see, these voices are strong, and they cry out, and they get our attention. And the end result is we never turn to what God has done in us. And I must tell you this. What God has done in you will lie dormant and apparently be dead to you until you show interest in it. Why? If this believer, this self, is constantly reaching outside of itself for help and strength, what's this Christ in him going to do? He's going to sit there, as I say, an old man in a rocking chair. He'll be just rocking away, waiting on you to knock on the door and come in and ask for some help and information. He's got it all. He's got your answer. The answer is in you already. That's the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it, the gospel, is the power of God under salvation. You have that in you already. So you're not getting it, you're not headed toward it, you're not aimed at it. It's already there if you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Christ that's in you is a lamb. And he's not going to fight you. He's not going to argue with any of these voices. Why? Because the only thing God has done in putting his seed in you is to work toward having a love affair between this self and this Christ. That's what he wants. If he forces, if he makes you do something, it's no longer love. But if you do it because you love him, then his plan is working. So sooner or later, in your walk with the Lord, you're going to have to turn as a self to what God has done in you. You're going to have to quit listening to all the voices that are over here and quit traveling everywhere because they're confusing. Remember, 
the outer forces will either have camaraderie or they'll frustrate you. If you have camaraderie with them, you're better off than if they frustrate you. Because if they frustrate you, then you'll do something to make up for it on your own, which is a crutch you don't need. So this is what life is all about. It was God's intention through his book, the Bible, and through our understanding of what he did, that we would form this love affair with the Christ that's in us. The Christ that's already in you. Think about that. Everything God intended you be is in you now. Well, now we have a problem. The problem is really emphasized by Jesus in John 12 and 24 when he says, Okay, except I, he's talking about himself, except I, Christ of Nazareth, Jesus in outer form, except I, this Christ self, fall into the ground and die, I'm alone. I don't have what it is that's God's intention. So what he does is introduce to us a very important thing about the God seed. And that is the same thing that's in every seed. If you want this acorn to bring forth a mighty oak, you've got to put it in the ground, and you've got to, in placing it under the ground, the seed under the ground, you've got to allow everything God has created to work on this outer shell. Ah, you're looking at the shell of the acorn. You're not looking at the germ where the life is, because inside every seed is this germ called life. How in the world, then, does that germ ever get out of this hard shell of the acorn? Nobody really works on that consciously and continuously except squirrels. <laughs> and I've got several on my place, and they know how to get inside and get the germ. God knows how to release this germ that's inside the hull here. How does he do it? Well, you plant it in the ground, and the first thing you do is let it become lonely. Robbie's been talking about that. That's very important. You thought your loneliness was of the devil. It might have been of the Lord. Maybe your little seed got planted so the life could come out. But somebody come along down at the bookstore, Christian bookstore, you picked up a book that said you don't have to be lonely. And so the first thing that voice did was to get you out of the ground. And here you go back again, a little germ wrestling inside the heavy hull. Well, how is it we get that germ out? Once it's planted, then the Father has the CNS gang. Blessed CNS gang. You don't like them, but what is the CNS gang to this little seed? It's the rain. It's the snow. It's the wind. It's the cold. It's the heat. It's all of the things in creation that are necessary to mix with the soil and create a chemical reaction. What is a chemical reaction to this seed? It's something that's going to break that hull. It's going to do what the squirrel does. You've got to get a break in this hull somewhere. Until you get a break in the hull... The life in the seed isn't going to come out. 
I have told you from the beginning, don't care where you go to church, don't care what you believe, if you've been born again, you've got the seed in you. But that doesn't mean it means anything. And that's why millions of people in America go to churches today, and it doesn't mean anything. There's no life. Why? There's no penetration of the hub. The life isn't coming forth. It's there, but it isn't coming forth. Why? Because there's nothing penetrating that hull. There is nothing penetrating this self, which is the hull. Why did we take communion today? Because Jesus wanted you to see that when you broke off a piece of the bread, there was a brokenness necessary. What does the brokenness mean? Why did you break off that piece of bread? Because that's the way he is. He's broken. Why is he broken? Because if you're not broken, there's no way you're going to make a penetration in your hard hull so that the life can come through. So he said, do this in remembrance of me so that my life can come forth. In Christ is everything that makes you a total human being. And to every one of us, he's different, because we're all created different. Every self in this room is different. No two of you alike. But it is this seed, this life within you, that makes every self a completed person. This is why you can read every book, take every course, go to every seminar, complete every program you go to, and still do not have the final answer. You know why? Because you're still improving this self, and the self is not being broken to let the life that is in it come forth. You tell me you can't stop doing something you're doing, and I tell you, in Christ, you can do all things. But you see, that doesn't mean a lot to you, because you still got the hard hull. There's still no brokenness there. And until there's brokenness, you're going to listen to the outside voices. And the inner power that's in you will never exert itself. What's in this seed that's in us? I suppose there are hundreds of things. But in this past few days, waiting before the Lord, the Spirit gave me at least four things you need to know that's in the seed. And I want to bring them to you. It's in the seed. I may go a little over my time today, but my, my camera operator said that was all right, so I'm sure he speaks for all of you. What's in the seed? You are a partaker of divine nature. First Peter 1 uh, Peter 1 and 4. You are a partaker of divine nature. That's in you already since you've been saved. And then again in uh, I can't find where it is here. Then again in Hebrews 3 and 13 it says we are partakers of God's nature. Partakers what does that mean? It means it's there, ready for you to partake of if you want to do it. 
The first thing that's in the seed, you don't like, but you got to see it. In the seed that's in you is suffering. The one big reason why people don't want to turn to what God has done in them and had rather listen to what somebody else says out here that can happen to you if you'll do what they say is we don't like to suffer. Now, I call that ostrich religion. Because anybody that tells you that in life you don't have to suffer, if you really have faith, you won't hurt. If you really come to know God, you'll have no pain in life, is not only lying to you, they are denying you the means by which the hull is broken and the life comes forth. See? You understand what I said there? The only way that the life comes forth is when this little seed allows enough of the CNS gang, the forces of life, to penetrate the hull. Now, I know people who have successfully, as little God seeds, run from everything that would break the seed. All their life they run from it. I can take you to a big revival meeting that's filled with hundreds and maybe thousands of people that are running from God dealing with their little seed. They all want a miracle. They all want a blessing. They all want to get something from God. Nobody wants to hurt. And, of course, the preacher knows that's the way all these people feel. So, bless God, you don't have to hurt if you get my miracle. Bring me your offering and I'll prove it to you. See? That's what we want to hear. You can do that once and feel better. Do it twice, feel a little less better. Do it three times and wake up that I'm wasting my money. Because that's the way it works. You see, we don't want to suffer. I'll say it again, try to get it, that it is only by suffering that the means of life come forth. Life is not a gift without suffering and hurt. Real life is not yours without suffering and hurt. Because God life is locked in the seed. And some way that seed has to break in order for everything that's in it to come forth. Now, if you knew that, you wouldn't have such a struggle over your suffering. Somebody says, well, I used to say this when I was a healer. I said, bless God, if suffering made you more, if sickness made you more like God, I'd pray for God to give you a cancer. Isn't that silly? You don't have to pray for suffering. You got it. <laughs> you don't have to pray for hurt. It's already there. If you take your head out of the ground, if you get rid of ostrich religion and get your head out of the ground and start thinking, you already got pain. If you have a child, you're going to have pain. If you have two children, you're going to have twice as much pain. <laughs> if you got a job, you're going to have pain. If you get two jobs, you're going to have twice as much pain. Life's like that. It doesn't always flow smoothly. It isn't supposed to. You're not supposed to have planted seeds without bad weather. You can't plant a seed without snow and rain and wind and storms. They're necessary to agitate the acid that's in the soil you've been planted in to make a break in your hull of self. 
crucify himself. You don't have to go crucify yourself. Just live. It'll happen. <laughs> Just stay aware and you'll have enough of it. But it is not all to your hurt. It's not all to your disadvantage. It's the only means by which the life can come forth. No, you don't have to pray for trouble to be godly. you got enough already. The CNS gang is working on all of us. And remember, circumstances and situations not only work on us to bad, they work on us to good, too. We get good out of the circumstances of life sometimes. Sometimes there's a blessing. Sometimes there's a great thrill. But they're always working, agitating that little seed and hull. So they're suffering. We'll stop right here. This has been part one of What's in the Seed, and we will continue next week with more of this great lesson from Warren Litzman. Please go to our website, check us out, christ-life.org. Learn about this in Christ message that's so very important for all of us. Check us out and also learn how you can start your own in-home church using our materials absolutely free, christ-life.org. Well, it takes a lot of people to put this broadcast together each week, starting with Robbie Litzman. Robbie, thank you for allowing us to go into the archives to bring these great lessons to everyone each and every week. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does the great weekly podcast reports that you see every week when you download this podcast. And the program is produced weekly by the very talented Teresa Ferraro. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.